chapter twenty of sowing and reaping by francis e w harper this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter twenty if riches could bring happiness john anderson should be a happy man and yet he is far from being happy he has succeeded in making money but failed in everything else but let us enter his home as you open the parlour door your feet sink in the rich and beautiful carpet exquisite statuary and superbly framed pictures greet your eye and you are ready to exclaim oh how lovely here are the beautiful conceptions of painter's art and sculpture's skill it is a home of wealth luxury and display but not of love refinement and culture years since before john anderson came to live in the city of a p he had formed an attachment for an excellent young lady who taught school in his native village and they were engaged to be married but after coming to the city and forming new associations visions of wealth dazzled his brain and unsettled his mind till the idea of love in a cottage grew distasteful to him he had seen men with no more ability than himself who had come to the city almost penniless and who had grown rich in a few years and he made up his mind that if possible he would do two things acquire wealth and live an easy life and he thought the easiest way to accomplish both ends was to open up a gorgeous palace of sin and entice into his meshes the unwary the inexperienced and the misguided slaves of appetite for a while after he left his native village he wrote almost constantly to his betrothed but as new objects and interests engaged his attention his letters became colder and less frequent until they finally ceased and the engagement was broken at first the blow fell heavily upon the heart of his affianced but she was too sensible to fade away and die the victim of unrequited love and in after years when she had thrown her whole soul into the temperance cause and consecrated her life to the work of uplifting fallen humanity she learned to be thankful that it was not her lot to be united to a man who stood as a barrier across the path of human progress and would have been a weight to her instead of wings released from his engagement he entered into an alliance for that is the better name for a marriage which was not a union of hearts or intercommunion of kindred souls but only an affair of convenience in a word he married for money a woman who was no longer young in years nor beautiful in person nor amiable in temper but she was rich and her money like charity covered a multitude of faults and as soon as he saw the golden bait he caught at it and they were married for he was willing to do almost anything for money except work hard for it it was a marriage however that brought no happiness to either party mrs anderson was an illy educated self-willed narrow-minded woman full of airs and pretensions the only daughter of a man who had laid the foundation of his wealth by keeping a low groggery and dying had left her his only heir john anderson was selfish and grasping he loved money and she loved display and their home was often the scene of the most pitiful contentions about money matters harsh words and bitter recriminations were almost common household usages the children brought up in this unhealthy atmosphere naturally took sides with their mother and their home was literally a house divided against itself the foolish conduct of their mother inspired the children with disrespect for their father who failed to support the authority of his wife as the mother and mistress of the home 
as her sons grew older they often sought attractions in questionable places away from the sombre influences of their fireside and the daughters as soon as they stood upon the verge of early womanhood learned to look upon marriage as an escape valve from domestic discomforts and in that beautiful home with all its costly surroundings and sumptuous furniture there was always something wanting there was always a lack of tenderness sympathy and mutual esteem i can't afford it said john anderson to his wife who had been asking for money for a trip to a fashionable watering-place you will have to spend the summer elsewhere can't afford it what nonsense is not it as much to your interest as mine to carry the girls around and give them a chance a chance for what why to see something of the world you don't know what may happen that english earl was very attentive last night to sophronia's at mrs jessop's ball an english count who is he and where did he spring from why he's from england and is said to be the only son and heir of a very rich nobleman i don't believe it i don't believe he is an earl any more than i am that's just like you always throw cold water on everything i say it is no such thing but i don't believe in picking up strangers and putting them into my bosom it is not all gold that glitters i know that but how soon can you let me have some money i want to go out this afternoon and do some shopping and engage this sempstress i tell you annette i have not the money to spare the money market is very tight and i have very heavy bills to meet this month the money market tight why it has been tight ever since i have been married well you may believe it or not just as you choose but i tell you this crusading has made quite a hole in my business now john anderson tell that to somebody that don't know i don't believe this crusading has laid a finger's weight upon your business yes it has and if you read the papers you would find that it has even affected the revenue of the state and you will have to retrench somewhere well i'll retrench somewhere i think we are paying our servants too high wages and anyhow mrs shenflint gets twice as much work done for the same money i'll retrench john anderson but i want you to remember that i did not marry you empty-handed i don't think i shall be apt to forget it in a hurry while i have such a gentle reminder at hand he replied sarcastically and i suppose you would not have married me if i had had no money no i would not said john anderson thoroughly exasperated and i would have been a fool if i had these bitter words spoken in the heat of passion were calculated to work disastrously in that sin-darkened home for some time she had been suspecting that her money had been the chief inducement which led him to seek her hand and now her worst suspicions were confirmed and the last thread of confidence was severed i should not have said it said anderson to himself but the woman is so provoking and unreasonable i suppose she will have a fit of sulks for a month and never be done brooding over those foolish words and anderson sighed as if he were an ill-used man he had married for money and he had got what he bargained for love confidence and mutual esteem were not sought in the contract and these do not necessarily come of themselves well the best i can do is to give her what money she wants and be done with it is not in her room no sir and her bed has not been rumpled where in the world can she be i don't know but here is a note she left what does she say read it annette she says she feels that you were unjust to the earl and that she hopes you will forgive her the step she has taken but by the time the letter reaches you she is, expects to be the countess of clarendon poor foolish girl you see what comes of taking a stranger to your bosom and making so much of him that's just like you john anderson everything that goes wrong is blamed on me i almost wish i was dead i wish so too thought anderson but he concluded it was prudent to keep the wish to himself john anderson had no faith 
whatever in the pretensions of his new son-in-law but his vain and foolish wife on the other hand was elated at the dazzling prospects of her daughter and often in her imagination visited the palatial residence of my son the earl and was graciously received in society as the mother of the countess of clarendon she was also highly gratified at the supposed effect of sophronia's marriage upon a certain clique who had been too exclusive to admit her in their set should not those gladstone girls be ready to snag themselves and there was that mary talbot did everything she could to attract his attention but it was no go my little sophronia came along and took the rag off the bush i guess they will almost die with envy if he had waited for her father's consent we might have waited till the end of the chapter but i took the responsibility on my shoulders and the thing is done my daughter the countess of clarendon i like the ring of the words but dear me here's the morning mail and a letter from the countess but what does it mean come to me i am in great trouble in quick response to the appeal mrs anderson took the first train to new york and found her daughter in great distress the earl had been arrested for forgery and stealing and darker suspicions were hinted against him he had been a body-servant to a nobleman who had been travelling for his health and who had died by a lonely farmhouse where he had gone for fresh air and quiet and his servant had seized upon his effects and letters of introduction and passed himself off as the original earl and imitating his handwriting had obtained large remittances for which he was arrested tried and sent to prison and thus ended the enchanting dream of my daughter the countess of clarendon End of chapter twenty